0: This is a test of the emergency broadcast
1: system. What's the emergency?
0: Uh, my coffee's empty.
1: Oh. Well, do you don't need to make me more? Maybe. Okay.
0: Welcome to Chronically Narnia. This is a podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter. Um, We are in chapter 11 of The Horse and His Boy today, the unwelcome fellow traveler. Uh, I am the jolliest, fattest, and most apple cheeked twinkling-eyed king you could imagine, Uh, also known as Kristen. This
1: is the first time this has happened. (laughs)
0: And this is my co-host.
1: That was gonna be mine, exactly. Um,
0: the inside of a cloud, also known <laughs> as
1: Chris. <laughs> uh, we've never had this issue before.
0: I don't. I think. I yeah. think we have had the issue where I wanted to pick one that you did, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I had to yeah. get that one in first. I thought you were gonna be uh, T. Row to Ho. which was the sound of the horn
1: i thought you were gonna be myself myself myself
0: no 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 (sighs) i'm not god
1: (laughs) anyway that's spoilers for the chapter uh in case
0: you start this episode and then read the chapter
1: welcome to a morning record of the podcast we're awake now we've had some coffee we had breakfast things are looking up it's a day it is a day we uh we've ordered a new desk for podcasting and we have things. that's
0: exciting. We're gonna have a new studio set up.
1: Yep, just all the money we're making from this podcast, just like putting it to putting it to work, putting it back <laughs> into the podcast, reinvesting so that our product is better for you. Um, anyway, and if you
0: want to put some money into the podcast, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're gonna start plugging that every episode three or four times in a row. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so Kristen. What are we doing here? What's...
0: Well, uh, we are in Chapter 11 of The Horse and His Boy, The Unwelcome Fellow Traveler. And so last chapter, we were with Shasta and, uh, not Shasta, the non-Shasta characters in this book, Bree and Erebus and Huin.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, as Shasta was sent away, uh, we got to see the perspective of the other three characters mm-hmm. and what was going on with them. Yeah. And so, in this chapter, we are snapping back to Shasta's story yeah. and seeing what happened after Shasta left the hermit yeah. at the end, of, at the you know beginning of the last chapter.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, before we get into that, a couple things. First, uh, I want to say that if if you use the phrase "dark night of the soul" anywhere in this chapter, <laughs> um, I feel like you owe me something. I don't know. Like, you have to make dinner tonight or something, I don't, but some, yeah, I'm just throwing that out there.
0: I can order pizza.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, and number two, uh, how we start this is we usually, and by usually I mean every single episode, go through the chapter and we pick out five sentences to summarize things and, you know, get some talking points going. So, Kristen, would, do you want to start your summary first or do you want me to?
0: Uh, you should do yours first. I
1: should do mine first. All right. Here is my summary of this chapter 11, The Unwelcome Fellow Traveler. We don't know who that is. Not yet. Not yet. Do Nor do we learn that, really. I don't know. Um, yeah, we do. Here's my summary. He had nothing to think about now and no plans to make. He had only to run, and that was quite enough. And then, without waiting for an answer, Lord King, Fly, Anvard, shut the gates, enemies upon you, Rabidash and 200 horse, he now knew the way to Anvard, but, of course, he could not now go there. That would only mean running into the arms of Rabidash's troopers. Shasta discovered that someone, or somebody, was walking beside him. But after one glance at the lion's face, he slipped out of the saddle and fell on it at its feet.
0: Okay, okay. So there was one sentence in common... But mm-hmm. I was going to use the slipped out of the saddle one instead of I chose something else. Cool. So, all right, here's mine. Mm-hmm. And then without waiting for an answer, Lord, King, fly, Anvard, shut the gates, enemies upon you, Rabidash and 200 horse. Mm-hmm. Someone at the head of the column, column wended the horn every now and then, and each time the sound came from a little further off. Shasta thought they took a long time going past, for though he had been talking and thinking about 200 horse all day, he had not realized how many they really were Mm -hmm. one who has waited long for you to speak said the thing and of course he knew none of the true stories about Aslan, the great lion the son of the emperor beyond the sea the high king above all kings in Narnia
1: okay yeah, we, we kind of went for the same kind of story points. We yeah. you know, There was some some similarity, some synchronicity in our summaries. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, again, this chapter, things happen. Yep. Uh, which is exciting that we get two of those in a row. Usually we don't. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, I feel like, a lot to talk about here. Mm-hmm. So we open the chapter right where we left off the last chapter, as we normally do, where, you know, er not Shasta is running away from the... Hermit's encampment and he's just you know booking it toward Anvard even though he doesn't really know where that is There's a general direction uh, Booking it toward Anvard and you know sheer happenstance Runs into a hunting party.
0: Yes mm-hmm. And this hunting party contained the king himself King Loon
1: and we we make sure to point out that or Lewis points out rather you know, we didn't write the book, but Lewis points out that gosh, I Apparently the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. I'll get there in about the middle of the podcast. <laughs> um, but Lewis points out that uh, she has to thought this was a crowd, but it wasn't actually a crowd. It was more like 15 to 20 people. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. is not a crowd. No. Not yeah. a crowd.
0: Not a crowd.
1: So I'm, I'm really Clearly curious.
0: Clearly pre-pandemic. Yeah.
1: Really curious okay. as to. <laughs> or, you know, it was post-Spanish flu.
0: <laughs> but uh, long enough that people were like, no, nah, that's not going to happen again.
1: No. Uh, so yeah, pure happenstance, runs into a crowd, and just so happens to be the guy he was looking for. Yep. King Loon. That's really easy. Like, Arkenland's gotta be a small country. He gotta can just be. run through the woods and run into him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's easy. Uh, but we meet King Loon for the first time, and he's a fat, jolly fellow. You introduced yourself as him.
0: Yes, I did. Yeah,
1: he's apple-cheeked.
0: Yes, apple-cheeked, twinkling-eyed, <laughs> uh, fattest jolliest Mm
1: -hmm.
0: king you could imagine yep you could imagine
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not
0: pointing out things in the (laughs) chapter yet but you know
1: (laughs) not yet Uh, it is
0: my title mm -hmm. i am i am this king you could imagine
1: yep (laughs) so anyway we meet him uh and he immediately is just like ermagird corin what are you doing out here
0: Yep, and this time Shasta goes, I'm not Corin! Mm-hmm. Uh
1: So this tells us that the party that left uh, Tashban has not made it back to Arkenland and Narnia yet.
0: Correct, because they're so. going via boat, and they would probably, based on the maps we're looking at, have to go all the way to Narnia and bring Corin back via an overland r- route from Narnia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's what the maps look like, at least, since yeah. I have one now.
1: Yeah. You, you found your map. Yep. Uh, so we are still waiting for them to get there. But, you know, we run into Shasta and King Loon in the woods together, both of them. mm mm-hmm. uh, And they have this exchange, and somebody else mistakes him for Corrin, and he's just like, yeah, i dealt with this before. Not Corrin, but you're King Loon. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, and part, people in the party with the king are skeptical.
0: I saw him in Tashban. Sends his greetings. Uh- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That was great. Um, people in the party are skeptical, which I wanted to jump into just really quick. And I mean, I can see both sides. Okay. Like you're out in the woods hunting party, random, you know, kid who looks like Prince Khorne runs up and dressed in rags and he's dirty and tired. And he's like, yeah, invasion party coming across the desert right behind me. You guys need to secure their gates. Sounds kind of outlandish and out there. Yeah. And like one might react with skepticism, but at the same time.
0: What, well, harm is yeah, there what harm is there in running there back to the city and closing the gates?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I, I can't see a possible motivation for uh, Shasta to lie about this. Yeah. Like, there's nothing he'd get out of it. That's so, pretty true, no. yeah. Um, But it doesn't really
0: matter. Uh, fr- free access to the hunting grounds, obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't really matter since Kang-Loon uh, thinks he has a trustworthy face. You know, faith. Trustworthy face, not at all because he looks like, you know, this kid.
0: Oh, I think it's absolutely because he looks like Corey. <laughs> there's
1: there's some uh, there's some trust there,
0: and he's looking at him hungrily. As yeah. he, if he, I hate that descriptive word, <laughs> especially when applied to like a jolly old man looking um, at a young boy. Yeah, no, well, just looking at anybody like any an old man looks at a person hungrily, it's creepy. Yeah. So, like in a descriptive element
1: in what a you, book, or why do you think we we we're, we're using that word there, like?
0: I think I think it has more to do with the um, the desire to know more that King Loon because I think King Loon knows something about Shasta. Like maybe Corin was born a twin and the other twin died in a wreck uh-huh. of a ship yeah. in Calarmin and ended up growing up to be Shasta, and this maybe is. His long lost son,
1: uh-huh. um, which is my original fan theory from way back in the beginning of the book.
0: Yes, as soon as we met Corin, that's what you thought. Yeah, and so like this is very much a possibility that King Loon is looking at him, going, "Are you my son?" Yeah, and hungry for more information <laughs> on that, as a, as one would be. Like
1: it's just kind of a weird description. Is word.
0: it possible? Yeah, it is a weird <laughs> descriptive word for it, especially nowadays. But mm-hmm. was it? Was it a weird descriptive word for it, seventy years ago? Oh no,
1: possibly not. Um, so then, there's something else that happens right here. I just wanted to find the quote for it.
0: Okay, the way that he mounts the horse, and yeah. someone says that he has a, a noble.
1: That that boy has a true horseman's seat, sire. Yes. I'll warrant there's noble blood in him. So apparently, you can just you know tell if somebody's of noble birth by the way they get up into a horse.
0: Yep, you know. Either that or they've ridden a Narnian horse for three weeks that's told them not to touch them.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bree's very reluctant uh, journey with Shasta. Yep. Uh, but apparently he's really good at mounting now. Yep,
0: took him, oh, well, you know, he had some time. Even though, like, wasn't it in two chapters ago in Bond that he was, like, wishing he could mount the horse as well as Erebus did?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's like, had some...
0: It was two days ago.
1: He's had some desert times. <laughs> It's just like every, every freaking mile, they, he got off the horse and got back on. Bree was like, I'm gonna make you do this until you get it right.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that is we, it.
1: We, we can't go into Narnia with you not knowing how to get on a horse. They're gonna yeah. kick you right out. Though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, no self-respecting horse would let you mount it like that. <laughs> um, anyway, so it gets on the horse. They set off into the wilderness uh, to go back at once. Uh, and-, and
0: Shasta has no idea how to ride a horse. Yep. He can sit on a horse, but he's been riding a Narnian horse who won't let him touch the reins or use spurs. So he's got no idea yep. how to get this horse to go. And this horse knows it. Yeah, This horse is just like, I'm in charge.
1: Yep. And uh, doesn't know how to use the reins. He was just like, I'm going to trust the horse to keep up with the rest of the horses. He's, uh,
0: he's, he's looking out the side of his eye at everyone else. <sighs> The same way you or I would at a fancy din- dinner party when we don't know which fork to use.
1: Mm-hmm. Lewis is back at his old tricks in this chapter. Um, <laughs> uh, I rolled my eyes a little bit at that, yeah. Um, I've never had this experience. Have you had this experience? Been at
0: a fancy dinner dinner party and not known which fork to use?
1: I, I have been at, I guess, not that fancy.
0: See, I've- I was taught... That you work from the outside in. So I've never had a question about which fork to use. Yeah. Like, each course, you start with the outside fork and you move into the inside.
1: hmm
0: So, like, I've never, I, like... Yeah. While I've only had a course to dinner one time ever. Yeah. Like, it wasn't something I was questioning because I still know this. Just like I know run away from an alligator in a zigzag pattern, even though I grew up in a state with no <laughs> alligators. Like, even though I know stand in doorways during earthquakes, even though I've never stood in a doorway during an earthquake.
1: These are just drills you have.
0: They are. Like, use the outside fork first. Like
1: There you go. No, I've, I've, I've been to a number of dinner parties, maybe not that fancy and, you know. I've gone to a few higher end restaurants and like the the most number of forks I've ever been presented with in a needing situation was two and they were both the same. So, <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, we, uh, we quickly fall behind the pack. Uh, he's keeping up for a while, but you know, he doesn't know how to ride a horse. And yeah, he just it, trusts, so.
0: trusts the horse to follow along with everybody uh, else.
1: So the horse falls to the back and then we have this extended sequence where he like gradually gets further and further back and it starts getting foggier and he can't see the riders in front of him anymore. And, and we you know, knew
0: that it was going to get foggy tonight because in the Erebus perspective of it, we saw the fog fall.
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, from Stormness head, it's coming down. Uh, and then it gets to the point where this horn sounds further and further away. And which I, I think this whole sequence is a little bit interesting because at no point uh, does, you know, King Loon notice this kid is gone.
0: Well, he's on an errand to go protect his kingdom. Like, yeah. based like, on the way the kid mounted the horse, they all expect that he's capable of riding the horse. Yeah, he's like, not.
1: Like, the kid came up with, like, information, and, oh, this kid looks exactly like his son. There's apparently something there, and we're going to look at him hungrily. He would think he would be somebody that you would one would notice in the group. And somebody would be like, oh, hey, by the way, that kid's not with us. Yeah. Pretty soon, but, you know. Maybe. I, yeah,
0: I felt I felt a little weirded out by that, especially when a lot of the people were suspicious of him. Uh huh. If he was drifting off yeah. from the from the party <laughs> in order to
1: that does signal
0: seem... someone who was planning uh an ambush at mm-hmm. the crossroads, maybe.
1: Yeah. Um That does seem suspicious, doesn't it?
0: It does. It absolutely does seem suspicious. So
1: don't be suspicious.
0: <laughs> um but it, yeah, it's very very suspicious to me as someone who like if I had someone write up and be like you're under attack, run, fly to Anvard. Mm-hmm. Like I I would want that person kept with me.
1: <laughs> mhm. Uh true. Uh but he does get to see the inside of a cloud. He's excited about that. He, he like does. he he loses the group, but you know, inside of a cloud.
0: I do remember the first time I saw the inside of a cloud.
1: Mm-hmm. When was that?
0: I was like nine years old,
1: mm-hmm. going
0: up the mountains uh, to a winter camp.
1: Yeah, you'd never experienced fog before that.
0: I had experienced
1: fog. I didn't <laughs> realize that fog was the inside of a cloud. Mm. There you go. Yeah, I had that moment of realization when I was twenty-five. No, it was <laughs> earlier than that. But uh, yeah, inside of the clouds are you know not very exciting. <sighs> I bet the inside of like a thunder cloud would be. Yeah, like, if you could do that, and if you not could die. have
0: like lightning going off around you.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That would be that would be an exciting time. Scary, but
0: Yeah, terrifying.
1: Uh, so we lose the party. And there's just a long extended sequence of them describing getting further and further back, him fighting with the horse, threatening the horse with digging the heels in. Horse doesn't do anything about that.
0: Even it's- when he does, the horse it makes a pretense of going faster.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then he gets to the crossroads. And at that point, the party's too far gone. He doesn't know where they've gone. He's like, well.
0: And he doesn't hear the horn anymore to yeah. continue directing him.
1: So he's he's got two options where he's like, well, one of these ways.
0: Either one will get me somewhere.
1: Yeah. But one of these ways, Rabidash could catch up to me. But at the same time, if I stay here, it's surely going to happen. So he's got to pick something. Yep. And so. He
0: goes off to the right. And Rabbit Ash comes up to the crossroads. Well,
1: let's pause here for a second because crossroads in literature. Yes, this is always important. This crossroads is crossroads are is, very
0: symbolic in like literature. This yes. is
1: almost a cliche uh, type of symbolism. So, what is Shaft's crossroad about? Like, what is he deciding here?
0: Oh well, at this point, he is deciding which way to go, and what it will ultimately be is either the path to Anvard or the path to what happens in this book because he takes the wrong path. Mm-hmm. He does not take the path to Ar- Anvard. Mm-hmm. But if he did take the path to Anvard, he would be followed up by Rabadash who was going much faster than him mm-hmm. um, and probably overtaken by A- Rabadash and die. But without that you know, fear element, he is choosing between un- two unknowns. Mm-hmm. And he can't really make an informed decision at this point. His goal is just to be safe. Mm -hmm. And so, but what these decisions will ultimately represent is either Anvard or the conversation that he has, the direction he goes. Yeah. Which seems to be taking him up and over the mountain because he does get higher and higher and higher Mm -hmm. and seems to be taking him up and over the mountain to Narnia. So it's like almost like an Anvard or Narnia decision right now. Uh Uh-huh. Because he can't go back, because he doesn't know how to get back to the hermit.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, he waits at the crossroad, making decisions, and then he's gotta hide, because he hears Rabidash coming up behind him. Like, apparently everybody's minutes away from each other right now. Oh, yeah. Um, Literally. And Rabidash and his 200 horse and horsemen come up, and he gets to overhear a conversation about uh, Rabidash having with his men. Yes. Uh, and... Kill
0: everybody in Anvard. I will take no booty for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Which uh I mean again when when we presented this plan the first time when Rabbit Ash is having the secret meeting with uh the Tisrock, uh and what's his face? The the whole plan sounded terrible and suspect and like the Grand Vizier says this. Yeah. Um and here we kind of reiterate, we kind of reiterate, reiterate the plan, which is dumb for a number of reasons. Where he's just no, like, "No, this
0: is this is showing, this is a moment showing that Rabadash actually is honoring the Narnian blood."
1: Yes, but at the same time, it's just like, "Don't care what happens to Anvar. Let's go in and kill every last man and child, and you know, steal their stuff." And like, this is hinging on the fact. That all this can happen before Narnia knows what, you know, what's transpired. Yes. Like, if, if if by any reason Narnia finds out what happens here, they're at war.
0: Yes, no, but his so, goal mm-hmm. is to get to Narnia by sunrise. Yeah. He wants mm-hmm. to take Anvard now. Uh-huh. Like, it, it might be lunchtime. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's trying to be in Narnia. hmm Within 18 hours of now. He wants to go kill every man in Anvard and be in Narnia within 18 hours. mm
1: -hmm. Is Anvard the only source of military power in Arkenland?
0: Don't know, but it is the only source of military (laughs) resistance they're likely to encounter on their way to Narnia. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, regardless. Yeah. It does seem like Arkenland is a country of one city. Yeah. (laughs) Tiny little place. Yep.
1: Like the uh, like the Polk County of Narnia, no um, oh, less, <laughs>
0: less cities.
1: Um. Anyway, so we we talk over this plan. Not going to touch the Narnians. He's going to go in and kill everybody in in Anbard, steal their stuff, looting, pillaging. Hurrah! Uh, in the name of Tash the Irresistible. Yes, and, Tash
0: the. We finally have a new title for Tash.
1: Yeah, and I I'm a little upset that I changed the, um sign off at my at the end where we do like don't forget to wipe your sword and all that stuff yeah and i changed it to like you know something about greasing oats which is dumb
0: you can change it again
1: I, I could change it again i don't want to keep changing it though but i read this line where he's like i reserve no booty for myself i mean like don't reserve don't reserve booty for yourself it's a great sign off line use it uh well we'll see i don't know greasing the oats is also really good <laughs> um anyway so we overhear this we know their plan shasta is like knows he's in some deep crap right now and you know he's like i was talking about 200 horse all day and i didn't realize how many 200 actually was um apparently it's a lot it's a lot of horses Mm -hmm. it
0: is a lot of horses
1: seems very loud yes um anyway so
0: it does seem loud and it seems seems smelly
1: so rabbit ashes troopers get on the horses run off uh, he now knows the way to Anvard, obviously. because he they, knows that he chose
0: went. the path to the right, which was not the path to Anvard.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he chose a different way. And, you know, symbolically, he's going a different direction than Rabadash and the rest of the Calarman. Um. Yes. Which would...
0: is where he was raised. Yeah. Oh. In Calarman. Yeah. He is yeah. going a different direction away from the path of... Mm-hmm his upbringing
1: uh so these subtle cues uh happening now to, oh yeah you know,
0: some subtlety
1: some subtlety in and there's
0: some subtlety in this chapter
1: shasta's internal struggle here okay uh and then he he has this whole moment where he gets real down on himself like he gets depressed he's like oh i must be the most unfortunate boy in the whole world
0: Unluckiest, unluckiest. Um, most unfortunate.
1: Uh, those Narnian lords and ladies, they get to do whatever they want and live a life of luxury, but not me. I and got they left, left behind. me
0: behind.
1: Yeah. Because, Poor
0: unfortunate soul.
1: Which is kind of BS because he chose to be left behind because yeah, he left. He,
0: <laughs> like, he, he, uh, <laughs> he, he ran away from that.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Erebus and Bree and Wynne are all snug as anything up with the hermit. Oh, not, yeah. not that Erevis is injured. injured or anything like that. Yeah. And Bree doesn't think he's worth anything. Everybody else is fine. No. Yeah,
0: everybody's great.
1: Shasta is the unluckiest and worst off boy in the whole world.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um, but then it starts getting darker
0: yep he's getting into the clouds getting
1: into the storm getting really high up you know
0: he doesn't realize he's going up the mountain if he had ever been on a mountain before he would have realized (laughs) but
1: he would have realized those of us from mountainous areas would would know this right away yeah you know Uh, because there's
0: huge mountains in england England. all over the place yeah no this is him crossing the alps (laughs) on the mainland he's still got to get into narnia Mm -hmm. which is england yeah obviously Obviously. Who are the Calabrian? Are they? Is is? See now, this is something I have actually been thinking about: is trying to find like country analogs for the pol- the political situation here, mm-hmm. where like I feel like this is the invasion of France.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Possibly, I mean, we do have all the World War Two stuff in, uh, Lion, the Witch, and Lion Witch in the wardrobe. Uh, at The same time, like the obvious analog is like the ottoman empire and you know the calorman of the turks and etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: yes but like we've had a very consistent thing throughout that narnia is very representative of england yeah and so this one being a little further removed from the war than you know the lion little witch in his wardrobe was mm-hmm. in like both story context and also yeah like time of writing but you know anyway whatever
1: and i just thought i'd ask Yeah. Yeah. And then along the path, he starts hearing something next to him. He hears a big thing. Some breathing. Some some breathing. Some moving. Sounds like some sort of giant uh, that's bigger than the horse. Yes. Up beside him. Uh, He
0: feels a breath on his hand. Uh Uh-huh. Creepy.
1: Yep. Uh, Here,
0: give me your hand.
1: Yeah, filling that out in the woods would be kind of scary, possibly. Uh, that would be uh,
0: terrifying in fog-bound mountains when you've yeah. never been inside yeah. a cloud before.
1: Yeah, and out of the mist and out of the darkness, he hears, you know, this breathing and not a voice because he's just like, Ermigerd, who are you? What are you? And the first thing... Does he
0: say, I wish you'd go away first, or does he just say, who are you He first? says, who are you?
1: And okay here's where we're going to get into like the meat of this chapter because I feel like a lot happens here that's worth talking about. Yes. Who are you? The first thing, and we know that it's Aslan, uh, spoilers, it's Jesus. Uh, the first thing that Aslan says in this book is one who has waited long for you to speak.
0: Which is the sentence I used in my summary. Mm-hmm. Said the thing.
1: Yeah. So, Well, how do we feel about this as a first line? Like, what does this say?
0: I don't know. Like, I I don't know because Shasta spoke to him already Mm -hmm. when he was a
1: cat Mm -hmm. multiple times. Yeah.
0: He spoke to him. Yeah. And so if if Aslan's been waiting for Shasta to acknowledge his existence in order to respond to him, like this is no different than shasta saying you know
1: except there might be a distinction here between the previous instances where shasta is speaking at something and this where he's speaking to someone and this is the first there's time there's an acknowledgement
0: of personhood yeah, there's here. an
1: acknowledgement of personhood and being like who are you
0: okay okay and
1: respecting and uh, expecting a response and you know that's the you know the obvious christian allegory of you know, God oftentimes being portrayed as a being that waits for you to approach. Yeah. And waits for you to be open to some sort of relationship or communication before he'll do anything. And that's kind of reflected here. Well, not,
0: I mean, like, this is, this is showing that clearly Aslan's been involved in the the actions and lives and events, but hasn't, hasn't directly interacted with the children in a spoken way.
1: Yeah. Uh, one who's waited long for you to speak yeah, and I like,
0: want to know if this means I've waited for you so that like I've waited that you speak or I've waited for you so that I could speak to you I'd I, like I don't know yeah I, that's a one of those dangling sentences
1: One of those controversial lines in the Narnia series It's not controversial.
0: <laughs> it's written in a way where it could mean two separate things as you read it
1: yeah uh, then Shasta's is like are you a giant? And Aslan's just like, you might call me a giant, <laughs> but I'm not like a giant at all. And, you know, being I've seen, obtuse. I've seen them. Um,
0: he says I've seen giants, doesn't he?
1: hmm Yeah. And then, was like...
0: Hey, hey, Chris, are you a dog? I've seen dogs. Like, that's the impression I got from that, That like...
1: <laughs> uh-huh. You might call me a dog, but I'm not like the dogs. I've seen um, dogs. <laughs> Well, I mean, he doesn't say he's seen.
0: Yes, he does. Yes. Where is the... He Are, says... Are you
1: a giant? Asked Shasta. You might call me a giant, said the large voice, but I am not like the creatures you call giants.
0: Isn't That's... there a line in here where he says he saw... He... I've seen them?
1: No. it's a, It darted into his mind that he had heard long ago that there were giants in these northern countries. He bit his lip in terror, but now he really heard, has something to cry about. Yeah. Nobody says they've seen giants anywhere. Now you're doing that thing where you're making up stuff in the chapter.
0: There is a sentence in this chapter that says I've seen them it's in my rewrite. this is why uh, what does no 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 no, no. the uh-huh. the sentence that says I've seen them that I do use in my summary comes from earlier in the chapter referring to rabbit Ash's horses
1: yeah
0: and there it, you go. yeah that's that I got confused because most of my sentences in my rewrite are from this conversation mm-hmm. but not that one so I just had it in my head that all my sentences were from this conversation.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Shasta asks another thing which is really interesting and says you're not something dead, are you? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's some subtext here. Are
0: you a ghost?
1: Are you a ghost? Are you dead? Are you a
0: g-g-g-ghost?
1: Yeah. And that's an interesting conclusion to jump to. It's like earlier we, you know, the, the previous page we have this foreshadowing of being like oh, Shasta's heard about giants in these parts. But There's no real uh, reason for him to be afraid of ghosts. uh, Yeah, he's never mentioned ghosts, like being like, are you something dead? Like, that's something that kind of comes out of nowhere, which is interesting.
0: Because we had the kind of like haunting of the tombs that he was afraid of, of ghouls. Mm -hmm. But he also was like, you know, not last night, but the night before, sleeping alone in a graveyard. So... yeah this is something that's probably come to the forefront of his mind as something that he could be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, there's also dead things.
1: Yeah. And then, I liked this line, so I'm going to read this, just going line by line at this point, basically. Once more he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There, it said, that is not the breath of a ghost. I thought that line was good. Yeah, I I really liked Mm. that
0: line, too. Mm
1: Mm-hmm uh and you know demonstrating that you know aslan is here aslan's alive and then says tell me your sorrows because shasta's is still in this down in the dumps place where he's like oh i'm the unluckiest boy ever
0: mm-hmm.
1: and lion's just like yeah tell me about it as if he doesn't already know uh and then shasta goes through tells him the entire story because when you you know meet mysterious voices in the woods that's Oh yeah, no, no. no. If, if, if a point.
0: mysterious voice in the woods told me to tell it, it, it my sorrows, I would absolutely start with my birth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, start with your birth, whole life story, your journeys, all your friends. You yep. you go through that.
0: Yeah, no, I would definitely share everything about that. Yeah, no, that, that that's true. I would do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, then. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were, okay. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Uh, And then he says, I do not call you unfortunate. Uh, And I'm just going to read this whole passage line for line.
0: Okay. We're just reading this whole chapter.
1: Well, because there's so much here that I want to dive into. Uh, He says, I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta. There was only one lion, said the voice. And so here we've confirmed all of the... Theories everything we i've had.
0: been saying this whole book
1: everything you, well, i mean you've read the book before <laughs> i haven't read it like obviously it's the same lion whatever but here you know if you're dumb uh or a child i guess you you get it confirmed that all these instances of the lions and the cats were all the same one aslan was there for you know all these things and he's been following Shasta this entire time yes so let's take a look at then some of uh some of Aslan's actions, as this lion, he says he was the lion that forced you to join Theravis. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. Uh, the lion that drove off the jackals. Uh, I was the one who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile, that, so you should that you could reach King Loon. So
0: because we do, we like we get a very good idea of how close this was to mm-hmm. being not like that's yeah. if Shasta hadn't run out. ...of the hermit's place, mm-hmm. he may not have made it in time to get King Loon through that cross or it's before Rabbit Ash got there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in in absence of, like, a slave driver, because, you know, horses need those for more motiv- motivation, we have the lion who's just like, all right, well, if you don't have somebody whipping you, fear of death, let's go. Yeah. <sighs> it's a good yeah. motivator. Um,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Uh, And it says, I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to the shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. Yep. So he, you know, is saying here, I've been following you basically your entire life and your existence, and I pushed you into the shore so that you may live. And we can pause here because I think this says a lot about... Aslan's character and about his use of power and his use of influence so we can we know that we don't really know if you know It's Prince Corrin's brother or whatever uh, who Shasta really is But we know that he is but if you read Arcan-
0: the back cover of the book, you know yeah. that it is. he's
1: a He's an Arkanlander. He is from the north for some reason they get shipwrecked he you know And there's an issue where he has to wash ashore on Calermen in all of Aslan's power, though, why is he showing up in that moment to make sure the kid gets to Kellerman and is going to be raised there by a guy who beats him in, you know, it's in a order to protect person.
0: Narnia now? Because if he hadn't been there then he wouldn't have met Bree, and he wouldn't have run away, and he wouldn't have overheard, or, or Erebus wouldn't have overheard about Rabbitash, mm-hmm. and wouldn't have had the information in order to save Ark and Land to save Narnia.
1: So let's have a conversation about predestination. Here.
0: Yeah, let's have a <laughs> conversation about predestination within uh, Narnia. So
1: one of, our, one of our listeners brought this up after last week's episode, uh, maybe possibly a little bit jokingly, but it's worth serious consideration, uh, in that we have this image of narnia as calvinist heaven <laughs>
0: yeah in a way mm-hmm. we definitely do like
1: so is england narnia is also at the same time like
0: paradise paradise it's like eden it's
1: yeah. it's yeah it's eden it's heaven in some sense uh and I mean, it's
0: a direct analog to Eden when you or not? No, I guess it's not. I was going to say it's a direct analog to Eden in The Magician's Nephew, but that's kind of the garden up on the hill, yeah, where he has to go get the the apple from.
1: Yeah, so there's definitely parallels there. Uh, for those listeners who might not be aware with like the the finer points of like Christian theology uh, that people argue about endlessly, uh, Calvinism is basically the idea that uh, anybody who has a relationship with God or anybody who goes to heaven and conversely anybody who goes to hell is predestined to get there like basically there is no free will like you're born either you know going to heaven or not and there's nothing you can do to change that okay Um. and so it, it's theology but that's not the point of the podcast uh,
0: there are lots of perfectly reasonable people who believe it
1: yeah, there's lots of perfectly reasonable people that believe you know Never mind. I'm not gonna say. Nope. Let's, uh, let's just continue let's, let's, on. I'm not say. You do not adhere to <laughs>
0: Calvinism because predestination removes any. Uh, for you, predestination removes any kind of concept of of grace being necessary, or you know all of the finer points of Christianity that you value. Yes. So.
1: But anyway, within the context of the book we have possibly this image of Narnia as uh, a place that you have to be predestined to go into. And, like, we could draw all sorts of conclusions from that based on, you know, the the Pevensies going there and only sometimes being able to get through the wardrobe and only being, you know, able to get through the wardrobe when and where they're supposed to be. Uh, and, you know, all the, you know, even going back to The Magician's Nephew, which was just written after this book, but... um them, you know, what's their faces, Diggory and Polly being in exactly the right place at the right time to make all this stuff happen, and, you know, Aslan not being surprised at all that they're there, and they're supposed to, you know, do all these things,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: and maybe this does paint a picture of, you know, Narnia being a place where you just, if you're supposed to be there, you're supposed to be there. Yeah, it does
0: kind of seem that way, doesn't it?
1: uh Uh-huh, and...
0: I mean, and that's kind of what I was getting at when we were in the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe talking about the call of Aslan. Yeah. That like you can only get to Narnia when Aslan wants you to be in Narnia.
1: Yeah. You can't choose to go to Narnia. And then that But kind you of- can
0: choose not to. That's that's something that's gonna be more thoroughly established in the next book, or not the next one, but the one after. You can choose not to go to Narnia.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of echoed here in this, you know. Aslan telling Shasta about his birth and being like, yep, I'm the one who pushed it ashore. And what you said with, you know, if that hadn't happened, none of this other stuff would have. Which, you know, that's interpreting the story as being completely predestined. Like, all this stuff had to come to pass. Yes. Uh, And nobody in this story has had any free agency because Aslan's been pushing the entire thing along to go the way he wants it to go.
0: I mean... There there are multiple sides to that argument, but mm-hmm. yes, like that that is the argument I've been like annoyed with and frustrated with when I when we had everything happen with, you know, you asked why would the lion push him with Erebus?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I said, well, because once we get to Tashban, like she's gonna be the one who gets the information we actually need.
1: Yeah. So, so I've been a lot. kind
0: of pointing this out as something that I'm annoyed with in the book.
1: Yeah. So that for a while. this this whole conversation tells us a lot about the universe, possibly more so than the rest of the book as a whole does.
0: Yeah, it tells us a lot about Lewis's ideas of Aslan. Yes. Which I mean, it's his character, so he's the one who's supposed to have the ideas, but.
1: And then right after that, same you know, line directly afterwards.
0: This is this is my line to talk about. Don't <laughs> okay, sit there okay. and act like this is your line to talk about. Okay. Then it was you who wounded Erebus, Mm -hmm. said Shasta. It was I. But what for? Mm -hmm. Why, 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 why? Yeah. Child, said the voice, I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. That is so frustrating (sighs) to me. That is so frustrating to me Mm -hmm. on every level of storytelling, of character building, and also of like theology, like every like possible element that you can throw at this chapter as an interpretive lens. Like (laughs) that bothers me. Frustrates the entire thing. It frustrates me so much.
1: (sighs) Yeah, it is frustrating and obtuse. Uh, but again, I think it tells us a lot about the character of Aslan, where he's just like you're not meant to understand what this meant to her or why I did it. I'm telling you your story. You're the one that's concerned with yourself. Like
0: yes, but it's also like, hi. What are you revealing? Like this is this is. Mm, mm. Okay, so this is a moment. Where Aslan is introducing himself to Shasta Mm -hmm. and saying, you've known me. You've seen me. Here's where I've operated in your life. Mm -hmm. And Shasta says, yes, these are cool things that you did. You also maimed my friend. Mm -hmm. Please tell me what that tells Shasta about the character of Aslan. Aslan's like... Yeah, I protected you from jackals, and I protected you in a boat, and yeah, I, I, I encouraged the horses to run with the power of fear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that, that's what I did. I, I, I've brought all of these things together in your life. And Shasta goes, but why did you hurt my friend? And he just goes, that's not your story. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> this is Aslan establishing his character, the concept of his character to Shasta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And will not address an issue that Shasta ha- Shasta cares about this person. Yeah. And has outright observed Aslan harming her. Yeah. Making her bleed, scratching her across her body. Like, yes, it's not his place to reveal what this meant to Erebus. Yeah. But he could at least say that it meant something to Erebus that Erebus will have to share with him. Uh Like, he doesn't, by him sitting there and going, nope, that's not your thing to know. Yeah. Like, the way that he says it is just such, it undermines the power of all of the good things that Aslan has done in Shasta's life. Yeah. Supposedly.
1: I mean, this could also be touching on, like, some arguments of, like, the problem of evil or, you know, the issue of suffering and basically... Well, I mean...
0: C.S. Lewis did write a book called yeah. The Problem of Pain. Yeah, The so. Problem
1: of Pain, and kind of alluding to that, where, you know, that's an argument against, like, Christian theology and the existence of God, as if there's a benevolent God, why does suffering exist? And that's kind of a hand-wavy way to address that question here. Uh, and then we kind of move on. and. Shasta- yeah, but,
0: like, it's not like... Why did Erebus fall off the horse and get hurt and not be able to come with me? Yeah, it is. Why did you, Aslan, jump up and scratch her off the horse? Like, yeah. on the horse. Shasta watched Aslan jump up and scratch his friend. Like,
1: yeah, it's a uh, it's a thing that I'm disappointed in that we didn't get into. Um, but we got to move on because we're running real long on time here. Uh, and then again, Shasta asks. Who are you? Emphasis on R here. Who are you? And then the voice answers, myself. Three times. Yes. Uh,
0: and I wrote this this card, this note, myself, the Trinitarian Aslan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about like Christian theology a lot. This episode I knew was going to be very theology heavy, so I mentally prepared <laughs> myself <laughs> to listen to all of this. But... Uh-huh. We have this concept within Christianity and many branches of Christianity that, it, that God is a triune God. Three three persons in one God. Mm-hmm. Aslan is a representation of Jesus. We've established this many times. Jesus is one of those three persons of God. Mm-hmm. So for Aslan to introduce himself as myself, 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 uh-huh. in three different tones of voice and structures of speech. Yeah. Myself, 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 myself. Is a mirroring of this Trinitarian idea, Uh but also contrary to the idea that he might be one of the three persons.
1: Yes. And that's a a departure from, like...
0: But also, like, if he is one of the three and they are one, then any time that any part of... Sorry, Trinity's hard, and I don't want to get into that. But, yeah, he says, myself, myself, myself. Yeah. Myself in a low, very deep and... Sorry, in a voice very deep and low so that the earth shook... Mm-hmm. And again, myself, loud and clear and gay. And then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it, and yet it seemed to come from all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. So this is Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that was... Yep, you covered it. That was all I was going to talk about there. Uh, I mean, also, saying myself is basically an echo of, uh, I, am. of I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... That is a, that's a fascinating thing to dig into if you ever get into, like, the, the Hebrew of that passage. Because there's a lot of weight in God introducing himself that way. But, um, again, not a Christian theology podcast. We're talking about the book Narnia.
0: Well, we could talk about Jewish theology, <sighs> since that's what you're ta- referring to. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, but, anyway, running along on time. We don't have time for, like, a discuss theology history lessons. Uh, so then we finally get the mist rolled back. It turns from black to what gray to white. And as soon as Aslan introduces himself, as myself, uh, we realize, oh, it's a lion. Yep. So then Shasta can see him. Real big lion. Like, says he's bigger than the horse, which, you know, real That's life you. lions, not, not that size. So it's a giant lion.
0: I mean, real life lions are pretty huge, though. Yeah.
1: But not, like, bigger than horses. That would be much more terrifying. If they were. Um, but anyway, unnaturally large lion, and, you know, there's a dawn shining light. Uh, I mean, golden light fell from left from the left. He thought it was the sun. It was so bright. Uh, Is this the
0: transfiguration? The
1: transfiguration. And lion's there, and beautiful, and no one had ever saw anything more terrible or beautiful, this lion says. Uh, and just is just like in all he's speechless. Like he, one of my summary lines, he falls out of the saddle into his feet and he's just like, yep, no, this, no, this cat's good. Uh, you know, there's just an aura of power and all, and all this stuff about him, like immediately overwhelmed by the goodness and the power and all this stuff. Yes. Uh, so, and that's, you know, kind of traditionally how people react when they see Aslan, unless you're like uncle Andrew or the witch. Um, and before before we move on yes. I do want to talk about how this chapter because I like this chapter I don't want to say I didn't like it and I want to get more into why I liked it uh, in my chapter review however there's a way I think this chapter could have been so much better than what it was Okay, and this is my thought thus far in the book and this is kind of late in the book which is why it, it doesn't really make sense for me to do this now but so, thus far in the book, Shasta uh, doesn't really have an antagonist. Like, the book maybe does. Like, we don't really—it's questionable as to yeah, whether or not I brought this an...
0: up pretty—I brought this up around the midpoint of the book. What's the antagonist of this yeah, story? Yeah,
1: and it's like the idea of Kellerman, and it's maybe it's Prince Rabidash right here because Shasta is racing against time to stop him. Maybe it's the Tisrock. Maybe it's Tash. Like, we don't really have a clear antagonist other than just the culture of Calorman as a whole that they're escaping from. And there's no clear, like, villain for Shasta, because, like, even for Shasta, Calorman isn't what he's escaping from.
0: Yeah, it's the fisherman. It's the
1: fisherman, and it's like, it's a very personal struggle for him, but the fisherman's not an antagonist. He left, he's gone, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And it's a self-discovery and a hero's journey story for Shasta, and... I think had this chapter been earlier on in the book, here's what could have happened. Track with me here. Okay. So he comes in uh, and he gets lost and separated from the hunting party in the woods. Yes. And then he goes into some mist and there's a storm and he's surrounded by darkness everywhere. And he hears something walking beside him. And you know they have this whole conversation where the voice comes out of the woods and it's and it's misty and he can't, uh, you know. Here, see, well, he can't, he can't see anything, uh, and then he asks this question of being like, "Are you something dead?" And the thing breathes on him and whatnot. And I feel like here we could have departed, and instead of uh, this whole conversation happening with Aslan, what could have happened is, after the the whole line of being like, "Are you something dead?", we could have seen a figure coming out of the mist. That appeared as if it were a lion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and, you know, is going through all these thoughts in his head where it's like, oh, my gosh, this is this lion that, the you know, the Kalermen talk about this demon that takes the shape of a lion here. Speaking
0: of which, he is not familiar with that story.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and that's pointed out in this chapter.
1: Yeah. And then we have a slow reveal where it looks like a lion, but no, it's actually a figure wearing a lion's pelt and the witch comes out of the mist.
0: You want to bring back the witch who was very <sighs> thoroughly killed already in canon?
1: Yes, because ghosts are a thing here. We know that ghosts are a thing in the universe. Are and they? like yes, like, that's, you know, that's part of her army that she controls in the last book. They weren't as we No,
0: there were no ghosts. Specters. Okay, there were things specters.
1: Like, okay. Things like that. So like things that are seemingly undead are a thing here. And just having this reveal where the ghost of the witch comes out of the darkness and has this whole conversation with him instead i think could have been really interesting
0: very uh, that's an interesting idea where would it go from there though like uh are you saying that the rest of the book would be the journey to actually discovering true aslan as opposed to the witch
1: yeah something like that like you could go a lot of directions with it but i was like reading through it and i was like this would have been really cool to do here yeah because okay. it, it just seems very foreboding. Like he's separated from the party. He goes into the darkness. There's an unnaturally cold wind blowing through. And like all of these things that could be like, you know, just the last vestiges of her power in like winter in in the north. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And.
0: See, I don't like that because I don't, I like the full defeat of the witch in the, in the previous book. But I do like the idea of some kind mm-hmm. of. Except we know it's not. Antagonist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least, like, the witch as a person, sure, but, like, the idea of what she represents is, like, a thing that comes back up in the last battle and, like, all that stuff. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting idea that we could have...
0: Yeah, no, we... no, 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 <sighs> worth digging into. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up, though, because we're going a little long, like we said. We
1: are going long. So anything else you want to touch on before we...
0: Um, no, not really. I mean, I think we got... The definition of the word bracken is ferns. That's all. I was okay. cool confused by that when he was stumbling through bracken. Yeah, but no, that's really. I think we touched on everything that like this was a really heavy-handed chapter
1: mm-hmm.
0: where we have you know this child meeting the god figure of of Narnia. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, let's yeah. Anyway, continue. We are going to go ahead and go into our.
1: Narnia Chopped and Screwed. All right. Yeah. We
0: didn't call it that in the last two episodes. Yeah, what are we doing? Hashtag Narnia Chopped and Screwed. This is where we go through the books while we're reading them and pull out five sentences and try to create a new story. Mm -hmm. Chris has been writing a continuous narrative from his uh, rewrites through the entire book, so he's going to read his first, or second, Um, because he's going to read last week's and then this week's.
1: So I really got to wrap that up I only got a few more chapters to in this story Yeah and you you might
0: leave us hanging (sighs) Um, Have to have a part two in the next (sighs) book. I might have to So um, I'm going to go ahead and read my rewrite first
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I shall see what the inside of a cloud is like Are you Are you a giant? asked Shasta I've seen them no, panted Shasta, shaking his head. I do not call you unfortunate, said the loud voice. The. said the large voice.
1: <laughs> okay, that's cute. It's fun. And yeah, we meet, uh, what's his name? Bramble. Bramble Pants. Uh. <laughs> what's, uh. The. It's.
0: Bumble, it's, Bumble something? Uh.
1: Brumble Snitch No. Benedict. Look it up. Okay. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, the giant and Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Oh. Um,
0: <laughs> Rumble Buffin, Chris. It's Rumble Buffin.
1: Rumble Buffin. All right. So Rumble Buffin uh, comes back and, you know, we have an exchange with him. Yep. Cool. Um, so here is my last week's, uh, just picking up two books at the same time. Here is last week's uh, situation. Okay. Aren't you well, Bree, dear? said Erebus. Bree muttered something that no one could hear. Shasta, half mad with horror, managed to lurch toward the brute. He had never done anything like this in his life before, and hardly knew why he was doing it now. Shasta was marvelous. Mm. And we go to this week, which goes as follows. No one ever saw anything more terrible or beautiful. The only sound was a steady drip-drip from the branches of the trees. Presently, he came to a place where the road divided into two. Yet he felt glad, too. After all, said Shasta, this road is bound to get somewhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, transition point. Really trying hard to wrap something up in the next two chapters. We'll see where it goes. Anyway, so since we're running long on time, let's jump right into our last segment, which is going to be a the review of the chapter, uh which I have things to say about. This is just a segment where I go and give it a five star rating based on how well it did what it set out to do. What are we rating it out of this time, Kristen? What's the Brackens? Brackens. Ferns. <laughs> okay. Out of Brackens
0: road cross paths <laughs> directions in the road
1: yeah brackens uh, is brackens is fine you know apple cheeks, apple oh. cheeks. <laughs>
0: t-road to two hose uh, on the horn
1: not gonna be able to pronounce that anyway so um here's my thoughts
0: tell me your thoughts
1: i liked this chapter i liked what it had to do uh it was good I liked the introduction of Aslan in this. I thought this is... So far, this is the best introduction of Aslan as a character we've had in any of the books. Okay. Um, and that being said, here's my other idea that I was thinking about while I was reading it. Yeah, uh, I yeah, had the yeah. whole witch thing, and then I had this. It was so good that I think this should have been the first introduction of Aslan, period. Okay. And here, I, here's how I would do... So,
0: this, so is this why... Okay, so... Steve, uh, our friend mm-hmm. of the podcast, Steve, mm-hmm. had mentioned that this was the book he was introduced to Narnia with. Yes. Do you think that this is part of why he fell in love with Narnia as a kid?
1: Uh, it is possible. Like, I, I mean, it's not like a, a fantastic book. Like, it's it's fine. It's passable. Well, we're not reviewing the book yet. But it, yeah, we could ask him. But it, it does seem like it could be yeah um anyway no i i think this should have been the the introduction of aslan in the series and i think were i redoing the entire series which it's not my place to do but were i doing it i would put this book first i would have this chapter as the first chapter in the book
0: oh interesting why
1: i would start it in media res start with this chapter And chop and screw the whole thing. I wouldn't change anything about how the words are laid out.
0: Just, like, change
1: the reveals. But we'd have Shasta going through the woods. We have the reveal. We have this conversation.
0: Flashbacks and things like that.
1: And then we have this whole point where Aslan is like, tell me your sorrows, and Aslan goes into a story, and then we have three chapters of, of Shasta telling his story. Interesting. And, like, opens in media res, then we jump back to the present... But with this being the the reveal of Aslan to the universe, which I think is a really, really good reveal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just this whole motif of, like, the mist and a voice coming out of it and, you know, the breath on the back of his hand and, like, him introducing himself and, like, it's a, it's good.
0: Yeah. Okay. The whole I, thing is really I bad. disagree with, uh, <laughs> with the full, like, storytelling reveal structure. Like, I don't think this should be the beginning of yeah. it. But...
1: Uh, but yeah, that being said, this chapter structure is fine. Uh, we do have quite a lot of character development for Shasta. Uh, it is another Shasta-centric chapter, but he goes through some stuff. Uh, you know, meet King Loon. He's a jolly old man. It's fun. Uh,
0: is he Santa?
1: He's somebody. Is Whoa. he
0: Father Christmas? <laughs> I was going to ask you that. That one was one I had. Is King Loon's Father Christmas?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and is this where he lives when he's not delivering presents in Narnia uh
1: no he's actually Odin but uh, <laughs> anyway um yeah uh couldn't see any problems with it other than like the stupid stuff that Lewis does with breaking the fourth wall and being like have you ever wondered about what fork to use at a dinner party and taking you out of the chapter but other than that it was uh it was really solid. Uh, I'm not gonna rate it quite as high as the last chapter because I think it 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 could use some work and like it is really frustrating with uh, you know, Shasta asking Aslan about uh why he hurt Erebus and he's just like, "Man, you don't need to worry about that. And I feel like that's frustrating from a narrative perspective. But overall, good uh four and a quarter of brackens. Wow. Out of five.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. What do you got? Wow. I, I give it myself. <laughs> at least at least one.
1: At least one yourself?
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like this chapter had some stuff going on, but I also feel like this chapter is so heavy-handedly demanding theological exploration. Uh-huh. Like, as just a storytelling narrative, it's, like, you cannot extract this from the theology of Narnia. Mm -hmm. like we've already established that aslan is a god figure in narnia we have seen him create narnia we've seen him sing it into existence in the magician's nephew we've seen him die there and raise again in the lion the witch and the wardrobe Mm -hmm. and now we have him in the background of a child's life all the way up until the moment the child talked to him and then he responds to him Mm -hmm. so like these this is like There is no way that you can, like, just enjoy this as story without, or at least not me, as someone who has a lot of theology and Christianity in my background. I can't just enjoy this story as a story Mm -hmm. without having to also think about the theology with it. So I struggle with this chapter because it has taken it away from the story and put it more into a theological context.
1: Yeah, I mean... And that's one of those interesting things that we can uh, look at since we're doing the books in the wrong order, that, you know, this is not the way they were written or supposed to be read. However, in doing the magician's nephew, followed by Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, followed by Horse and his boy, we have this revelation of Aslan again as the Trinity. Because in the first book, we have Aslan the Father. In the second book, we have Aslan the Redeemer. And here we have Aslan the Helper and the Spirit. Yeah. So that's, you know, that might be an argument for reading the books in these order. Just if you're trying to get a more theological perspective on it.
0: Okay. <sighs> so don't read that's... them in this order. Uh, <laughs> all right. But, well, anything else?
1: No, I think we pretty thoroughly covered it. I'm, I mean, I'm ex- kind of intrigued by how the book's going to wrap itself up in the next, like, three well, chapters we Well, let me we have. spoil it
0: for you. Next week we'll be doing chapter 12, which is titled shasta in narnia
1: he makes it into narnia so
0: obvi he went to narnia yep um so if you want to involve yourself in discussion of maybe the geopolitical structure of <laughs> narnia uh, you can hit us up at chronically podcast on facebook and instagram at chronically pod on twitter or you can email us your fan art of the inside of a cloud at chronicallypodcast at gmail dot com um chris any final thoughts i'm good all right uh do not drug your maid
1: and always grease those oats
0: and whatever
1: claim no booty for yourself
0: (laughs) see ya Rumble Buffin, Chris. It's Rumble Buffin.
1: Chris. Yes. Rumble Buffin. Rumble Buffin. All right. Apparently, the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. I'll get there in about the middle of the podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Poor
0: unfortunate soul. I will take no booty for myself. Mm hmm. So I'm attached Ben. man. Sends his greetings.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um,
0: um, Do you have a name for yourself? Yes, I do. Okay, all right. Just making sure. <clears throat> I am. No, wait. I should talk about what we do on the podcast.
1: <laughs> it's almost like we've done this like 50 times. Yeah. Now you're doing that thing where you're making up stuff in the chapter. Okay, that's cute. It's fun. Yeah, we meet, uh, what's his name? Bramble, Bramble Pants. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh... The. It's the Bumble something? Uh, Brumble Snitch. No,
0: Benedict- look it up. Okay. Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: <laughs> yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, the giant and Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe.
0: Oh... Uh-huh. No. <laughs>